Uvila Audio presents Volume 8 of the Sea Fairies Chapter 16 The Top of the Great Dome Captain Bill's heart was beating pretty fast, but he did not let Zog know that. Trant was so sure of the protection of the fairy mermaids that she would not allow herself to become frightened. Aqua Rain and Clea were as calm as if nothing had happened. "'Please excuse this little interruption,' said Zog. "'I knew very well the marble blocks could not hurt you, "'but the play is over for a time. "'You may now retire to your rooms, "'and when I again invite you to my presence, "'I shall have found some better way to entertain you.' "'Without reply to this threat, "'they turned and followed Sako from the hall.' and the boy led them straight back to their own rooms. Zog is making a great mistake, said Sokka with a laugh. He has no time for vengeance, but the great magician does not know that. What's he trying to do, anyway? asked Trot. He does not tell me his secrets, but I've an idea he wants to kill you, replied Sokka. How absurd it is to be plotting such a thing, when he might spend his time... "'laughing and being jolly. "'Isn't it now?' "'Zog is a wicked, wicked creature!' exclaimed Trot. "'But he has his good points,' replied Sako cheerfully. "'There's no one in all the world so bad that there is nothing good about him.' "'I'm not so sure about that,' said Captain Bill. "'What are Zog's good points?' "'All his slaves were saved from drowning, and he is kind to them,' said Sako. "'That is merely the kindness of selfishness,' said Aquarain. "'Tell me, my boy, is the opening of the great dome outside guarded?' "'Yes, indeed,' was the reply. "'You cannot hope to escape that way, for the prince of the sea-devils, who is the largest and fiercest of his race, lies crouched over the opening night and day. None can pass his network of curling legs.' "'Is there no avenue that is not guarded?' continued Aquarain. "'None at all, Your Majesty. Zog is always careful to be well guarded, for he fears the approach of an enemy. What this enemy can be to terrify such a powerful magician, I do not know. But Zog is always afraid, and never leaves an entrance unguarded. Besides, it's an enchanted castle, you know, and none in the ocean can see it, unless Zog wishes him to.' "'so it will be very hard for his enemy to find him.' "'We wish to escape,' said Clea. "'Will you help us, Sokko?' "'In any way I can,' replied the boy. "'If we succeed, we'll take you with us,' continued the princess. "'But Sokko shook his head and laughed. "'I would indeed like to see you escape Zog's vengeance, "'for vengeance is wrong, "'and you are too pretty and too good to be destroyed. "'But I am too happy here.' and have no wish to go away, having no other home or friends other than my fellow slaves. Then he left them, and when they were again alone, Aquarain said, We were able to escape Zog's attacks today, but I am quite sure he will plan more powerful ways to destroy us. He has shown that he knows some clever magic, and perhaps I shall not be able to foil it. "'so it will be well for us to escape to-night, if possible. "'Can you fight and conquer the big sea-devil up in the dome?' 
The Queen was thoughtful, and did not reply to this question at once. But Captain Bill said uneasily, "'I can't abide them devil critters, and I hopes for my part we won't be called back to tackle em. But you see, Trot, we're in a considerable bit of a mess here, and if we ever live to tell the tale—' "'Why not, Captain?' asked the child. "'We're safe enough so far. Can't you trust to our good friend the Queen?' "'She don't seem plumb so sure of things herself,' remarked the sailor. "'The mermaids is all right and friendly, mate, but this here magic-maker, old Zog, is a bad one. Out and out, and means to kill us if he can.' "'But he can't,' cried Trot bravely. "'I hope you're right, dear. I wouldn't want to bet on Zog's chances just yet. And at the same time it'd be risking money to bet on our chances. Seems to me it's a case of luck which wins.' "'Don't worry, friend,' said the Queen. "'I have a plan to save us. "'Let us wait patiently until nightfall.' They waited in the rose chamber a long time, talking earnestly together, but the brilliant light that flooded both the room and the great dome outside did not fade in the least. After several hours had passed away, the gong sounded and Tom Otto appeared again, "'followed by four slaves bearing many golden dishes upon silver trays. "'The friendly cook had prepared a fine dinner, "'and they were all glad to find that whatever Zog intended to do to them, "'he had no intention of starving them to death. "'Perhaps the magician realized that Aquarain's fairy powers, "'if put to the test, would be able to provide food for her companions. "'But whatever his object may have been, "'their enemy had given them splendid rooms and plenty to eat.' "'Isn't it nearly night-time?' asked the Queen, as Tom Otto spread the table with a cloth of woven seaweed, and directed his men to place the dishes upon it. "'Night!' he exclaimed as if surprised. "'There's no night here.' "'Doesn't it ever get dark?' inquired Trot. "'Never. We know nothing of the passage of time, or of night and day.' The light always shines, just as you see it now, and we sleep wherever we are tired, and rise again as soon as we are rested. What causes the light? asked Princess Clea. It's magic, your highness, said the cook solemnly. It's one of the curious things Dog is able to do, but you must remember all this place is a big cave in which the castle stands. "'so the light is never seen by anyone except those who live here.' "'But why does Zog keep his light going all the time?' asked the Queen. "'I suppose it's because he never sleeps himself,' replied Tom Otto. "'They say the Master hasn't slept for hundreds of years, "'not since Uncle the Sea Serpent defeated him and drove him into this place.' "'They asked no more questions.' and began to eat their dinner in silence. Before long, Captain Joe came in to visit his brother, and took a seat at the table with the prisoners. He proved a jolly fellow, and when he and Captain Bill talked about their boyhood days, the stories were so funny that everybody laughed, and for a time they forgot their worries. When dinner was over, however, and Captain Joe had gone back to his work of sewing on buttons, and the servants had carried away the last of the dishes, the prisoners remembered their troubles and the fate that awaited them. 
I am much disappointed, said the queen, to find there is no night here, and that Zog never sleeps. It will make our escape more difficult. Yet we must make the attempt, and as we are tired and a great struggle lies before us, it will be best for us to sleep and refresh ourselves. They agreed to this, for the day had been long and adventurous. So Captain Bill kissed Trot on the forehead and went into the peony room, where he lay down upon his spongy couch and soon fell fast asleep. The mermaids and Trot followed this example, and I think none of them was much worried after all, because they quickly sank into peaceful slumber and forgot all the dangers that threatened them. Chapter 17 The Queen's Golden Sword "'Goodness me!' exclaimed Trot, raising herself by a flirt of her pink-scaled tail and a wave of her fins. "'Isn't it dreadfully hot in here?' The mermaids had risen at the same time, and Captain Bill came swimming in from the peony room, just in time to hear the little girl's speech. "'Hot!' exclaimed the sailor. "'Why, I feel like the inside of a steam engine!' The perspiration was rolling down his round red face, and he took out his handkerchief and carefully wiped it away, waving his fishtail gently at the same time. "'What we need most in this room,' he said, "'is a fan.' "'What do you suppose the trouble is?' inquired Trot. "'It is another trick of the monster Zog,' answered the Queen calmly. "'He has made the water in our rooms boiling hot, and if it could touch us we would be well cooked by this time, even as it is.' We are all made uncomfortable by breathing the heated air. "'What shall we do, then, ma'am?' the sailor-man asked with a groan. "'I expected to get into hot water before we were done with this foolishness, but I don't like the feel of being parboiled just the same.' The queen was waving her fairy wand and paid no attention to Captain Bill's moans. Already the water felt cooler, and they began to breathe more easily. In a few moments more the heat had passed from the surrounding water altogether, and all danger from this source was over. "'This is better,' said Trot gratefully. "'Do you care to sleep again?' asked the Queen. "'No, I'm wide awake now,' answered the child. "'I'm afraid if I goes to sleep again, I'll wake up as a pot-roast,' said Captain Bill. "'Let us consider ways to escape,' suggested Clea. "'It seems useless to remain here quietly until Zog discovers a way to destroy us.' "'But we must not blunder,' added Aquarine cautiously. "'To fail in our attempt would be to acknowledge Zog's superior power. "'So we must think well upon our plan before we begin to carry it out. "'What do you advise, sir?' she asked, turning to Captain Bill. "'My opinion, ma'am, is that the only way for us to escape is to get out of here,' was the sailor's vague answer. "'How to do it is your business, seeing as I ain't no fairy myself.' either in looks or education. The queen smiled and said to Trot, What is your opinion, my dear? I think we might swim out the same way we came in, answered the child. If we could get Sako to lead us back through the maze, we would follow that long tunnel to the open ocean and... And there would be sea devils awaiting for us there, added Captain Bill with a shake of his bald head. They'd drive us back into the tunnel, like they did the first time, Trot. It won't do, mate. It just won't do. Do you have a suggestion, Clea? inquired the Queen. I have thought, 
of an undertaking, replied the pretty princess. But it is a bold plan, your majesty, and you may not care to risk it. Let us hear it anyway, said Aquarain encouragingly. It is to destroy Zog himself, and put him out of the world forever. Then we would be free to go home, whenever we pleased. Really? Can you suggest a way to destroy Zog? asked Aquarain. No, your majesty, Clea answered. I must leave the way for you to determine. Well, in the old days, said the queen thoughtfully, the mighty King Anko could not destroy this monster. He succeeded in defeating Zog and drove him into this great cavern, but even Anko could not destroy him. I have heard the sea serpent explain that it was because he could not reach the magician, returned Clea. If King Anko could have seized Zog in his coils, he would have made an end of that wicked monster quickly. Zog knows that, and that is why he does not dare to venture forth from his retreat. Anko is the enemy he constantly dreads. But with you, my queen, the case is different. You may reach Zog easily, and the only question is whether your power is sufficient to destroy him. For a while, Aquarain remained silent. I am not sure of my power over Zog, she said at last. For that reason, I hesitate to attack him personally. His slaves and his allies, the sea devils, I can easily conquer. So I prefer to find a way to overcome the guards at the entrances, rather than to encounter their terrible master. But even the guards have been given strength and power by the magician, as we have already discovered. So I must procure a weapon with which to fight them. A weapon, ma'am, asked Captain Bill. And then he took a jackknife from his coat pocket and opened the big blade, afterwards handing it to the queen. That ain't a bad weapon, he announced. Well, it is useless in this case, she replied, smiling at the old sailor's earnestness. For my purpose, I must have a golden sword. Well, there's plenty of gold around this castle. Said Trot, looking around her. Even in this room, there's enough to make a hundred golden swords. But we can't melt or forge gold under water, mate, said Captain Bill. Why not? Don't you suppose all these gold roses and things were made under water? asked the little girl. Like enough, admitted the sailor, but I don't see how. Just then the gong at their door sounded, and the boy named Sako came in. "'smiling and cheerful as ever. "'He said Zog had sent him "'to inquire after their health and happiness. "'You may tell him that his water "'became a trifle too warm, "'so we cooled it,' replied the queen. "'Then they told Sako "'how the boiling water had made them "'uncomfortable while they slept. "'Sako whistled a little tune "'and seemed thoughtful. "'Zog is foolish,' he said. "'How often I have told him "'that vengeance is but a waste of time.' He is worried to know how to destroy you, and that is wasting more time. You are worried for fear he will injure you, and so you are wasting time. My, my, what a waste of time is going on in this castle. Seems to me that we have so much time it doesn't matter, said Trot. What's time for, anyway? Time is given us to be happy and for no other reason, replied the boy soberly. When we waste time, we waste happiness. But there's no time for preaching, so I'll go. Please, 
"'Wait a moment, Sacco,' said the queen. "'Can I do anything to make you happy?' he asked, smiling again. "'Yes,' answered Aqua Rain. "'We are curious to know who does all this beautiful gold-work and ornamentation.' "'Some of the slaves here are goldsmiths, having been taught by Zog to forge and work metal under water. In parts of the ocean lie many rocks filled with veins of pure gold and golden nuggets, and we get large supplies from sunken ships as well. There is no lack of gold here, but it is not as precious as it is upon the earth, because we have no need of money. We would like to see the goldsmiths at work, announced the queen. The boy hesitated a moment, then he said, I will take you to their room, where you may watch them for a time. I will not ask Zog's permission to do this, for he might refuse. But my orders were to allow you the liberty of the castle, so I will let you see the goldsmith's shops. Thank you, replied Aqua Rain quietly. And then the four followed Sako along various corridors until they came to a large room, where a dozen men were busily at work. The shop was flooded with brilliant unknown light. Lying here and there were heaps of virgin gold, some in its natural state, and some already fashioned into ornaments and furniture of various sorts. Each man worked at a bench, where there was a curious iron furnace in which glowed a vivid white light. Although this workshop was all under water, and the workmen were obliged to breathe as fishes do, the furnaces glowed so hot that the water touching them was turned into steam. Gold or other metal held over a furnace quickly softened or melted, when it could be forged or molded into any shape desired. "'The furnaces are electric,' explained Sacco, "'and heat as well under water as they would in the open air. Let me introduce you to the foreman, who will tell you of his work better than I can.' The foreman was a slave named Aga Gru, who was lean and lank, and had an expression more surly and unhappy than any slave they had yet seen. Yet he seemed willing to leave his work and explain to the visitors how he made so many beautiful things out of gold, for he took much pride in this labor and knew its artistic work. Moreover, since he had been in Zog's castle, these were the first strangers to enter his workshops, so he welcomed them in his own gruff way. The queen asked him if he was happy, and he shook his head and replied, it is not like Calcutta, where I used to work in gold, before I was wrecked at sea and nearly drowned. Zog rescued me and brought me here as a slave. It is a stupid life we lead, doing the same things over and over every day, but perhaps it is better than being dead. I am not sure. The only pleasure I get in life is creating pretty things out of gold. Could you forge me a golden sword? asked the queen, smiling sweetly upon the goldsmith. I could, madam, but I won't, unless Zog orders me to do it. Do you like Zog better than you do me? inquired Aqua Rain. No, was the answer. I hate Zog. Then won't you make the sword to please me, and to show your skill? pleaded the pretty mermaid. I am afraid of my master. He might not like it. But he will never know, said Princess Clea. You cannot say what Zog knows, or what he doesn't know growled the man. I cannot take chances of offending Zog, for I must live with him always as a slave. With this he turned away and resumed his work, hammering the leaf of a golden tulip. Captain Bill listened carefully to this conversation, and being a wise old sailor in his way, he thought he understood the nature of Aga Gru better than the mermaids did. 
So he went close to the goldsmith, and feeling in the pockets of his coat, drew out a silver compass, shaped like a watch. "'I'll give this to you, if you make the queen the golden sword,' he said. Anka grew, looked at the compass with interest, and tested its power of pointing north, then shook his head and handed it back to Captain Bill. The sailor dived into his pocket again and pulled out a pair of scissors, which he placed beside the compass on the palm of his big hand. "'You can have them both!' grew hesitated, for he wanted the scissors badly, but finally he shook his head again. Captain Bill added a piece of cord, an iron thimble, some fish hooks, four buttons, and a safety pin. But still, the goldsmith would not be tempted. So, with a sigh, the sailor finally brought out his big, fine jackknife. At the sight of this, Agargru's eyes began to sparkle. Steel was not to be had at the bottom of the sea, although gold was so plentiful. "'All right, my friend,' he said. "'Give me that lot of trinkets, and I'll make you a pretty golden sword. But it won't be any good except to look at.' "'for our gold is so pure it is very soft.' "'Never mind that,' replied Captain Bill. "'All we want is the sword.' "'The goldsmith set to work at once, "'and so skilled was he that in a few minutes "'he had forged a fine sword of yellow gold "'with an ornamental handle. "'The shape was graceful and the blade keen and slender. "'It was evident to them all that the golden sword "'would not stand hard use.' for the edge of the blade would nick and curl like lead. But the queen was delighted with the prize, and took it eagerly into her hand. Just then Sako returned to say that they must go back to their rooms, and after thanking the goldsmith, who was so busy examining his newly acquired treasures that he made no response, they joyfully followed the boy back to the rose chamber. Sako told them that they had just come from Zog, who was still wasting time in plotting vengeance. "'You have to be careful,' he advised them, for my cruel master intends to stop you from living, and he may succeed. Don't be unhappy, but be careful. Sog is angry because you escaped his yell-maker and the falling stones and the hot water. While he is angry, he is wasting time, but that will not help you. Take care not to waste any time yourselves. Do you know what Zog intends to do to us next? asked Princess Clea. No, said Sako. But it is reasonable to guess that being evil, he intends to do you evil. He never intends to do good. I assure you of that. Then the boy went away. I am no longer afraid, declared the mermaid queen when they were alone. When I have bestowed certain fairy powers upon this golden sword, it will fight its way against any who dare oppose us. And even Zog himself will not care to face so powerful a weapon. I am now able to promise you that we shall make our escape. Good! cried Trot joyfully. Shall we start now? Not yet, my dear. It will take me a little while to charm this golden blade, so that it will obey my commands and do my work. There is no need of undue haste, so I propose we all sleep for a time and obtain what rest we can. We must be fresh and ready for our great adventure. As their former nap had been interrupted, they readily agreed to Aqua Rain's proposal, and at once went to their couches and composed themselves to slumber. When they were asleep, the fairy mermaid charmed her golden sword, and then she also lay down to rest herself. Chapter 18 A Dash for Liberty 
Trot dreamed that she was home in her own bed, but the night seemed chilly and she wanted to draw the coverlet up to her chin. She was not wide awake, but realized that she was cold and was unable to move her arms to cover herself up. She tried, but could not stir. Then she roused herself a little more and tried again. Yes, it was cold. Very cold. Really, she had to do something to get warm, she thought. She opened her eyes and stared at a great wall of ice in front of her. She was awake now and frightened, too. But she could not move because the ice was all around her. She was frozen inside of it, and the airspace around her was not big enough to allow her to turn over. At once the little girl realized what had happened. Their wicked enemy Zog had, by his magic art, frozen all the water in their room while they slept, and now they were imprisoned and helpless. Trot and Cap'n Bill were sure to freeze to death in a short time, for only a tiny airspace remained between their bodies and the ice, and this air was like that of a winter day when the thermometer was well below zero. Across the room Trot could see the Mermaid Queen lying on her couch, for the solid ice was clear as crystal. Aqua Rain was imprisoned just as Trot was, and although she held her fairy wand in one hand and the golden sword in the other, she seemed unable to move either of them, and the girl remembered that the queen always waved her magic wand to accomplish anything. Princess Clea's couch was behind that of Trot, so she could not see her, and Captain Bill was in his own room, probably frozen fast in the ice, as the others were. The terrible Zog had surely been very clever in this last attempt to destroy them. Trot thought it all over, and decided that, Inasmuch as the queen was unable to wave her fairy wand, she could do nothing to release herself or her friends. But in that the girl was mistaken. The fairy mermaid was even now at work trying to save them, and in a few minutes Trot was astonished and delighted to see the queen rise from her couch. She could not go far from it at first, but the ice was melting rapidly all around her, so that gradually Aqua Rain approached the place where the child lay. Trot could hear the mermaid's voice sounding through the ice as if from far off. But it grew more distinct until she could make out that the queen was saying, Courage, friends, do not despair, for soon you will be free. Before very long, the ice between Trot and the queen had melted away entirely, and with a cry of joy, the little girl flopped her pink tail and swam to the side of her deliverer. "'Are you very cold?' asked Aqua Rain. "'No-no-no-no-not very,' replied Trot, but her teeth chattered and she was still shivering. "'The water will be warm in a few minutes,' said the Queen. "'But now I must melt the rest of the ice and liberate Clea.' This she did in an astonishingly brief time, and the pretty princess, being herself a fairy, had not been at all affected by the cold surrounding her. They now swam to the door of Captain Bill's room and found the peony chamber a solid block of ice. The queen worked her magic power as hard as she could, and the ice thawed and melted quickly before her fairy wand. Yet, when they reached the old sailor, he was almost frozen stiff, and Trot and Clea had to rub his hands and nose and ears very briskly to warm him up and bring him back to life. Captain Bill was pretty tough, and he came around in time, and opened his eyes, and sneezed, and asked if the blizzard was over. 
so the queen waved her wand over his head a few times to restore him to his natural condition of warmth, and soon the old sailor became quite comfortable and was able to understand all about the strange adventure from which he had so marvelously escaped. "'I've made up my mind for one thing, Trot,' he said confidentially. "'If I ever get out of this mess I'm in, I won't be an Arctic explorer, whatever else happens. Shivers and shakes ain't to my liking, and this ice business ain't what it's sometimes cracked up to be. To be frizzed once is enough for anybody, and if I was a gal like you, I wouldn't even wear frizzes in me hair.' "'You don't have any hair, Cap'n Bill.' answered Trot. So you don't have to worry. The Queen and Clea had been talking together very earnestly. They now approached their earth friends, and Aqua Rain said, We have decided not to remain in this castle any longer. Zog's cruel designs upon our lives and happiness are becoming too dangerous for us to endure. The golden sword now bears a fairy charm, and by its aid I will cut a way through our enemies. Are you ready and willing to follow me? "'Of course we are!' cried Trot. "'It don't seem exactly right to ask a lady to do the fightin', remarked Cap'n Bill. "'But magic ain't me strong point, and it seems to be yours, ma'am. "'So swim ahead, and we'll wiggle the same way you do, and try to wiggle out of our troubles.' "'If I chance to fail,' said the Queen, "'try not to blame me. "'I will do all in my power to provide for our escape, "'and I am willing to risk everything, because I well know—' That to remain here will mean to perish in the end. That's all right, said Trot with fine courage. Let's have it over with. Then we will leave here at once, said Aqua Rain. She approached the window of the room, and with one blow of her golden sword shattered the thick pane of glass. The opening thus made was large enough for them to swim through, if they were careful not to scrape against the broken points of glass. The Queen went first, followed by Trot and Cap'n Bill, and with Clea last of all. And now they were in the vast dome in which the castle and gardens of Zog had been built. Around them was a clear stretch of water, and far above, a full half-mile distant, was the opening in the roof guarded by the Prince of the Sea Devils. The mermaid had determined to attack this monster. If she succeeded in destroying it with her golden sword, the little band of fugitives might then swim through the opening into clear waters of the ocean. Although this prince of the sea devils was said to be big and wise and mighty, there was but one of him to fight, whereas if they attempted to escape through any of the other passages, they must encounter scores of such enemies. "'Swim straight for the opening of the dome,' cried Aqua Rain, and in answer to the command, the four whisked their glittering tails waved their fins, and shot away through the water at full speed, their course slanting upward toward the top of the dome.